Yes, we're back again. I'm George Reister, your host of Mindset Mastery. Today, we're gonna to have a special guest on, Indira Kaljo. We're gonna talk about her journey to the US uh, from Bosnia. We're gonna talk about her parents, what school was like for, us, for her here, her basketball journey. And her basketball journey led her to college and play internationally. The foundation that she started, her hijab. She, she has a line of hijabs that are out right now and her love for whales. And then now back in Saudi Arabia playing Saudi, Saudi Arabia playing professional basketball again. Please remember to give to St. Jude Hospital in Memphis, Tennessee. They need your support. They're a cancer hospital for children. No family there pays any money out of their pocket while they're there receiving treatment. We want to be a blessing to them. And this is the year of giving for me. I want to give my best you in every area that I can. I want to my podcast, my YouTube channel to be a support system and a mechanism and an avenue for people to watch, listen, and be inspired by it and be moved. Please leave comments. Give me a five-star rating on the podcast. Like and subscribe to my YouTube channel and continue to follow me. And I just want to tell you how much I love you, how much I thank you. And thank you for being on the journey with me. It's all about you. It's all about us. It's all about us creating and inspiring all of those that are around us. Look forward to seeing you inside the podcast. Hello, here we are again. Your host, George Reister on Mindset Mastery. I have a very unique guest for you guys today. A young lady I've known since, I believe her senior year in high school. And we'll talk about how we met and then her journey from, from high school to where she is now and what's happening in her life right now. I think this is gonna be a very enlightening and inspiring story, not only for young, the youth and young people, but also for women. Women who have an opinion, women who have a dream, women who travel on a journey and accomplish things that maybe others didn't think they could accomplish, but inside themselves, they knew and they, I should say they were searching, they are searching for their purpose, their vision, and how to put it all together. So I want you to welcome today my guest, Indira Kaljo. How are you, Miss Kaljo? <laughs> I'm great. Thank you so much for having me, George, and uh, it's an honor. And very, very kind words, words of yours. Um, so thank you. I'm looking forward to talking to you today. Good. Okay, why don't we tell the audience how we met? So we met um, at a really crucial point in my life, I would say. Um, I was playing on an AAU team, um, AAU is a basketball team, and that team had dismantled because my coach had, had left, and I was really distraught because if anybody that plays sports knows how important, if you love your team, how, how important that team is and how important that coach is. And at that time in my life, I was like, please, God, let me just find a, a good team, a good coach. For me, it always mattered, the coach. And I remember walking into I heard about Soaring Eagles basketball team and I remember walking into that gym um I forget what it's called do you remember what it's called uh I believe I can't remember the logo. you might have been in Chatsworth right in Chatsworth that big one. Oh, um was it uh powerhouse gym the powerhouse gym yes 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 so we're walking into the powerhouse gym and I'm a, I've always been the type of female, um, I think because of my 
life story that I was just a little warrior. And I just remember walking like to you directly. Um, I can't remember if it was at after practice or before. That's what I can't remember. But I remember coming into you, you were the coach and um, just telling you like, I need to get a scholarship. Like it was just the one thing at that point in my life that was the only thing in my life and the only thing that mattered. Um, I had a vision, a goal, and I knew that I needed a coach, a team that would help me succeed to get there. Um, but I just, I remember walking directly to you and telling you that and your eyes and your reaction, it still comes to my brain from time to time. Um, but yeah, you were my coach and I thoroughly, thoroughly loved playing for you. Well, you know, it, it's, it's kind of, it was kind of odd. I had never, ever had someone your age walk to me directly like that and said, what you said to me was this. What? I cannot play for you unless you can promise me I, I, I'm going to get a scholarship. I said <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly what you said to me, and I'm, I'm in shock because I mean we're accustomed to you know to have, traveling with with teams, and that's the whole purpose of of the travel team anyway is try to get as many girls seen and hopefully uh, get a scholarship to colleges, universities, so that they can continue their education and play basketball. So we had a team full of girls who wanted scholarships and wanted, but you were so specific. I cannot play for you unless you promise me that I'm going to get a scholarship. And it caught me by that. Well, that's amazing. And you're so that. <laughs> I am a hundred percent sure because that has never been said to me before you came and it never has been said to me after you left. And so I, I thought about it for a minute, but what I saw was the, I don't know, I, I want to use the word desperation for lack of uh, other words, because you, you began to tell me just a little bit about your story, you know, about you coming to America and, you know, your financial situation and, you know, your goals and you needed this money to get to school so you can continue your education. Mm -hmm. So do you remember what I said to you? No, what do you remember? I remember what I said to you. Okay, what did so it, took me, it took me a minute to gather my thoughts <laughs> because I, I didn't want to, I've never ever committed to any person mm -hmm. and guaranteed to, to that degree that I will make sure you get a scholarship. Mm -hmm. But because we, it was actually after practice when we had this conversation. So okay. I had seen you play and I, I said, okay, this girl got some skills. So I said to you, I said, okay, I tell you what, I will promise you that if you promised me you would do what I asked you to do to get uh, that scholarship. <laughs> and then you said, okay, I'll do that. And I think that there may be a, a day later or the next day or something, you came back to practice and said, okay, I'm gonna play. And boy, did I think about that every time you came to practice, every time we mm -hmm. went to a tournament, every time we went to, you know, I talked to college coaches and what have it, I thought about you. And the beautiful part about that situation was, is that, you ended up getting a scholarship. I did. To go to school, yes. So um, it was, yeah, it was so exciting to me. But can you tell the audience how you got to the U.S. and what your journey was like coming here? Sure. So I'm originally from Bosnia um, and Herzegovina. It's a tiny country in Europe. And when I was four years old, um, a war began. And I remember just hearing grenades starting to go off. And then after that, pretty much everything was a blur. Um, my mom and my family, uh, they explained to me that 
we got on the last bus out of Sarajevo because it was a siege. So they closed off all the borders of the city where I'm from, which is called Sarajevo. And we got on the last bus at night um, and me, my sister and my mom, my dad was already living in Germany. And so they explained it to me that they had to drive through the night in complete darkness because at any point the soldiers could stop the bus and you know what they do when they stop buses during war. Um, and so we, we traveled to Croatia and then took over uh, from some, we took a boat over and we ended up in uh, Germany uh, where my dad was there working. He was actually, he didn't, we didn't know about the war. It wasn't like, hey, in 20 days, there's gonna be a war. Um, my dad was just there working because uh, financials in Bosnia weren't going that well. There's always been an issue with economics in Bosnia. And so a lot of Bosnians go to Germany for work. So we went there and um, we lived in Germany for two years. And um, during that time, uh, we applied for paperwork to come to the States. We waited for the paperwork to get approved. It took about two years. Um, my grandma was living in California at that time already. So they did all the paperwork and all that. Um, and then we moved when I was six years old to Los Angeles. And uh, that's where my journey began really. Um, once we moved to LA, like the doors opened wide. Wow, so now was basketball always your love, your passion uh, when you came to the US? Good question. Um, I actually first started, my mom immersed me immediately into sports. I think that she knew the value that I needed to learn the language, that I needed to assimilate to the culture. And I'm so grateful for her because she first put me into tennis, I tried tennis, it was, I was okay, but I didn't, it wasn't like the sport for me. And then um, she put me into uh, swimming and I was an excellent natural swimmer. I mean, honestly, I would say I was naturally better at swimming than I am at basketball mm. overall. Um, yeah. I was competing at nine, 10, 11 years old with like girls that were 15, 16. Um, and, I'm, wow. and I'm talking about competing like at speed. Um, so that was actually my first like love but then when my mom got sick, uh, diagnosed breast cancer, and then when she passed away, my connection to swimming was so associated with my mom that I just emotionally couldn't continue um, playing. And it was interesting, right at a time when she got sick, I got introduced to basketball through my sister. And I was a great shooter immediately, but that's it. Um, and I, I enjoyed the more aspect of the team sport you know with five players instead of in the pool just by myself and so basketball was kind of my healing journey mm -hmm. it was my the sport the thing that helped me um while she got sick it was the sport that kind of like to get me through her diagnosis and everything that happened and then also obviously after she passed away um so I had given up swimming to focus and and completely commit to basketball and how old were you when your mother passed away? I was 13. Okay, okay. Yeah, it was so the that, end of seventh grade. Oh, wow. So that was a, a, a traumatic time for you. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So then after, you know, your mother passed and your family life, you started adjusting. Then it was all of a sudden it was time for you to go to high school and play yes. basketball. So Yes. 
what what's so interesting is um how god writes our stories and our destiny and like how we, when you work hard doors open for you um i actually had to move from john your middle school in burbank to go to walter reed because we had moved at that time um, when my mom passed and it was just so much change in my life my mom passing a new school and so forth and so on and my eighth grade year i was blessed to have like mentors that really my 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 english teacher and my uh, hip hop, I started dancing hip hop dance in, in the eighth grade. And my hip hop dance instructor, um, he really was so crucial. And then my basketball, my eighth grade basketball coach, Edgar Sedano, um, they were so crucial in helping me get through that time of depression and, 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 and traumatic experience at such a young, young time, young point. Um, and so I was supposed to go to North Hollywood High School. That was my local school. Okay. And if you know anything about North Hollywood High, yes. um, you can go both ways with North Hollywood High School. And I just remember my coach having this man come to the practice and watch me play. Practice, he was like, "He, there, hello, this is, you know, introduce me to this coach. This coach, this coach wants you to come to his private school to play for his private school. And I was like, you know, as an immigrant child, you don't know about these things. You don't know that they exist. You don't know... I'm just out there doing my best and trying my best. And I think that was the first point in my life where I saw like, oh, wow, my talent can get me somewhere. My talent can get me a scholarship for a private high school. Mm -hmm. um, and it was full ride, everything. And I was like, yeah, let's go. I mean, you know, let's do this. I, get, I can get a private education. I can play for this school. And so that transition into high school was so unexpected to go to a private high school because it's nothing that, that I dreamt of or knew about. Um, but once I learned about that and in going through that, at that time, the coach was like, this is the opportunities that can happen for you also for college, but you need to leave me and you need to go to an AAU coach. And the whole transition, really, it took a group of individuals seeing my talent, seeing my skills, seeing my passion and nurturing it and supporting it for the next step in my journey. Um, and I think that's so important to share on this podcast because sometimes people are just like, well, how did you get there? Like, how did all your dreams come true? And it's, it, it, we need to be honest and talk about, yes, hard work, 100% is, is needed. Hard work, passion, enthusiasm, everything is so needed. But along the way to achieve any goal, you have to find one person, two people, three people, four people yes. that, are, that are going to support you and have the tools and the resources to support you to achieve your goal. Wow, you are so right. And I like the way yeah. you described it because there's, it's definitely uh, important because people move people. And there's nothing imaginary or magical about it. We need each other and we drive, we're the driving forces for us to help connect us to other people. Yeah. So yeah. Now, <laughs> now, once you get through high school and you achieved your dream of getting a college scholarship, mm -hmm. tell me what that experience was like. Well, let's be honest. Like sometimes we need to talk about uh, the highs and the lows. Yes. Um, I went, I got a scholarship. I was recruited to a few different places from Ivy League schools um, all the way to Utah State. And at that time, I had decided to go play at Utah State. Um, 
again, and we need to talk about financials and everything else. Like as children, when you make decisions, now as a complete woman, I would have chose otherwise as a 16, 17, 18 year old girl, had I understood the value of taking a $5,000 loan to pay off an Ivy League school. Those conversations do need to be had um, because when you're an immigrant child, you're making decisions from an immigrant standpoint and, and, and me not wanting to be a burden on my family and me not wanting to um, have to pay off loans after I had decided to go to Utah State instead of Dartmouth or Cornell University. Yes. And at Utah State, you know, when I first got there, my dream came true. I'm at a division one, I'm, I'm gonna play, I'm gonna, get, I'm gonna study, I'm gonna be the first in my family to receive a, an education, a, a higher education. And I start playing and I'm practicing well, I'm playing well, and all of a sudden I don't see any playing time. Um, and how drastic to go from playing 40 minutes a game for all four years of my high school, even middle school, to literally sitting on the bench and the trauma that athletes go through. Yes. Um, this is something that's not talked about. It's not readily talked about. It's starting to be more discussed by, by professional athletes and college athletes. And, you know, really does need to be discussed about further because everybody thinks, oh, butterflies and lilies everywhere and yeah. rainbows when that's not the truth. Um, so my freshman year was a really enduring time, a really challenging time. Um, especially because I, on the practice court, was definitely proving that I needed to be on the game time court. Mm -hmm. And then not understanding your coach of why you're not receiving that game time. And, 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 and for me, I'm the type of person, just like I went directly to you, I went directly to her and I said, well, I'm proving myself in practice. Why is this not showing? And, I, and, and a lot of people will understand if they're athletes, what that means to you when you're putting mm -hmm. in everything you have Yes. And you're proving yourself and you're still not getting those opportunities. But that one year of my life, I feel like I needed because it woke me up to, to show me this is life. Welcome to the real world. You're mm -hmm. not going to get everything that you deserve. Sometimes yes. you're going to, you're going to, you're going to, even though you deserve something else, you're going to, yes. you're going to get the opposite. Um, and, and that, only strengthened me at the time I didn't understand that that's what was what it was doing but it definitely strengthened me for my life now and for the opportunities and things that I've gone through after um and honestly that experience choosing to transfer after my freshman year I had never quit on anything it was a long and very difficult decision that opened up the door for me to meet one of my favorite coaches ever, who was from my region, which I had never been coached by a European coach before. He would, I went to Ventura College, which I absolutely was always, coaches would always tell me, oh, Ventura College, oh, 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 community colleges, those aren't good. That experience opened up the door for me to realize that what people always say is not the truth. Community yes. colleges are excellent. There are opportunities for players to continue to play. There are opportunities for them if they didn't get for them to get seen again, uh, to yes. get better in those two years, and then receive a four-year scholarship. Um, and that's exactly what happened to me. I went to Ventura College, had the best year after my freshman year. It was exactly what I needed. I lived in sunshine again in California. I was by the beach. I was playing with my former AAU uh, uh, teammates from our team, Soaring Eagles, yeah. Asia Wong. Uh, I just had an excellent year. And then at the end of that year, again, through connections, 
my coach knowing the assistant coach at Tulane University and calling her and saying, hey, you've got to fly out here from New Orleans. You've got to check this girl out. She flew over, saw me at a game. We connected. Her name is Shauna Cook, one of my ultimate favorite female coaches. Up until that point, I had never had a female coach. So everything happens for a reason. And in life, sometimes we're like, oh, why? Why is this yeah. happening to me? But we need to just be patient and trust yes. God and his will and, 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 and know that it's the path that's best for us. Mm -hmm. oh, see, that's an excellent story because like you said, people will want these, the bed of roses and yes. sometimes the bed of roses isn't what isn't in the plan for you, but you have to be diligent and walk through your journey to yes. get to where you want to go. Yes. So now I know you had a successful year in Tulane because the girl could shoot the basketball. I gotta give her props. She might have been a little lacking in defense in some, in some areas, but if you give her the ball, she was like Steph Curry. You give me an inch, there's not a shot on the court I don't believe I can make. So that was sure. one of the things that really excited. I'm I like, was Steph Curry before Steph Curry was Steph Curry. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I said, this girl can shoot the ball. This is ridiculous. So, <laughs> so now after your journey, and you left Tulane and what did you do next? Okay, so my junior year I had from playing at all to playing an amazing year at Ventura College, then transferring to Tulane University, having the best year of my life. I mean, I went off as you just said, I literally could close my eyes and my three ball was gonna go in. Um, and, and not understanding that and playing at that level and just coming into my, full force. Um, I was 13 in the nation for my three-point shooting percentage my junior year. There were talks of like, if she has a great year, she'll get drafted. She can go to a tryout. All these talks happen. And, and before I go forward, I think it's important to discuss this. So many athletes, especially when you reach the D1 level, your, your next dream is the professionals. Like, let's keep it real. Majority of athletes. Yes. And so for me, that was like, oh my God, my, I'm coming into my dream that I had when I started, first started playing basketball. Mm -hmm. And then the day, the day of, I believe, no, a few days before our first game of my senior season, I'm a starter, left off of a 12 point, 13 point, 14 point season, my junior year, I'm ready to, to go up to 15 plus points a game. I'm feeling good, everything is good. And my ankle, I completely destroy my ankle. And this happens and this needs to be discussed and this needs to be yeah. talked about because that happened to me my senior year, my last, my last chance to show what I had in me so that I could right. get looked at by WNBA. And I got hurt the first, what that does to you as a player. I mean, emotionally, physically, spiritually, everything. Um, and it wasn't just like a ankle sprain. Okay, the next day I can play. No, we're talking about like, get shots put into my ankle, crutches. And as an athlete, what we're willing to do of pushing our body and not taking the time to, to rest like we need to, mm -hmm. um, that I would continuously get, keep getting a hurt. So my senior season, I was not the Indira just one, one school year before, just a few months before, I was not the same person because I lost my confidence. I lost my everything because I was always thinking about my ankle. And it, I had nobody to talk to at that time about it. It was just me. 
And those are the things I think that it's so important to discuss on podcasts like yours and, and things, especially for athletes and especially for female athletes, because we go through things that not everybody understands. And so my senior year, I had a somewhat of a good year, um, not at all what I ex expected. My team ended up winning the conference tournament. And then we ended up playing in the March Madness. Uh, and, and I'll never forget that experience. I mean, as, as any athlete to make it to March Madness, it's a dream come true. Yes. But again, I didn't play the way that I wanted to play. I was so happy for our team and, I, and everything else. But I had at that point had lost my minutes. I had lost all the things that I was expecting. So that was an interesting journey to go through itself, especially when you were just playing the, the best basketball of your life one season before. Yes. Um, that after I graduated through everything and that why I spoke about that is what happened after I graduated from Tulane is I was like, all right, well, I didn't have the season that I wanted. So I'm going to go back and start normal life and start coaching and getting into coaching, um, which my dream was to go play professionally. And so that, that shows you when some, when things go wrong, sometimes we, we, we let go of our dreams. We, we give up on our dreams because it yes. just didn't go as we planned. Correct. And it's important to talk about that because we shouldn't do that. Right. We should we stay the course. Um, but yeah, long story short, I moved back to California. I started um, actually uh, becoming a, a coach and an athletic director for a private middle school. Mm. My coach from middle school offered me that job. He was then at that time, the principal at that school. So I started working there. And then on my free time, I would drive all the way into Ventura and I would volunteer assistant coach underneath my coach in Ventura College because I wanted okay. to learn from him his mindset okay. his skills and everything mm -hmm. and it was in that time of playing of coaching for him that I I was coaching college girls so they were cut what two years younger than me you know yeah. and yeah. I was telling him I can still ball I still want to ball and he was like yeah what are you doing here coaching with me he's like get into shape and go to a professional combine in Europe and go after your dream um and those words, it was, it was the fire that I needed that sparked mm -hmm. everything and um, and led me to go to Europe and go to Germany for, funny, I went back to Germany where I was when I was four years old. So it's like a full circle. Yeah, I was a professional combine there and um, I got selected as the best player in the combine and then it opened up playing opportunities for me after that. Wow. Okay, yeah? so now. This basketball journey has taken you all around the world and it's opened doorways for you, whether it was job opportunities, relationships, uh, more playing time, finding yourself, finding yes. some self-confidence in yourself. Yes. And so now once you played overseas, once your play ended overseas, then what avenue of venture did that lead you into? So it's very interesting how basketball has been like a source of, of everything throughout my whole entire journey. I was playing in Ireland uh, for a year and I enjoyed it, but then my grandma got sick and she was living in Bosnia at the time. And I was like, I have to go take care of my grandma. And as a young girl, I always heard about this team called Jelio in Sarajevo about how this is the team that you should play for. So when I moved to Bosnia to take care of my grandma, I was like, I still want to play ball. So I joined this team that I heard about when I was younger. Okay. And it was during this time of going back to the place where I was from, learning my heritage, learning where my people come from, learning just way more of 
that yes, I'm an American, but I'm this Bosnian American, figuring out coming into at that time, I was what, 22, 23. That's the mm -hmm. time when you start to search more about what you want from life and what is life and so forth and so on. For, for the most part other people are doing other things at 22 but that's the time when that happened for me um that I started to like oh wow this is where I come from what really is Islam and and, and what is my religion I always believed in in Allah God that's what we, how we call God Allah I always believed in it but I wasn't understanding what that meant and so being in Bosnia hearing the Adhan which is the prayer call to prayer five times a day because our country is predominantly Muslim. We have yes. a lot of mosques there. I was able to learn about myself and who I am deep down inside in that time span. So I was playing ball and then I was, and then I was also figuring out who I am spiritually. And that was a big shift in my life, up at, uh, in my life because that's when I had decided, and it was a year long I would pray wearing the hijab and then I would take it off and go play basketball and live my normal life and then pray and all that stuff. And, and I remember towards the end of my season in Bosnia telling my coach, I want to start wearing the hijab while I'm playing and just in normal everyday life. It's a, it's, it's something that will bring me closer to my faith. Yes. And she said, no, there's no way FIBA will not allow that to happen. Um, and I was like, what do you mean FIBA will not allow that to happen? It's my body. It's my choice. Yeah. Because that's, that's wrong, how it should be. And that's the wrong thing to tell you. No, something that won't happen because you're the no, stubbornest no. female I've ever run across in my life when you want Thank something. You. Go ahead and continue <laughs> the story. <laughs> so long story short, I was like, no. And then she's like, please don't like right now, officially, you won't be able to finish the season. Wait mm -hmm. until the end of the season and see how you feel. So I respected my coach. And I told her, okay, fine. Um, and she was like, you're so beautiful. You're going to cover your hair. But that's the thing that people don't understand. When you become spiritually close to God, it's not about your beauty. It's not about anything. It's about you and your connection to God. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the season, um, my grandma was getting more and more sick. And so we moved her back to California so she could get better health care. Mm -hmm. And when you see your own grandma pass, like in the, in her path to passing and to join like going into the next life you realize that it's not all about basketball and traveling and having mm -hmm. fun which was a big part of my life um that strengthened my desire to get close to god because we don't know when it's our time's coming and so what i actually it, i put on my hijab officially when i was in los angeles california i remember going to bed that night in june and 2014 and i was like okay if I wake up tomorrow feeling like this, I'm going to just put it on. No matter what happens, no matter what is and things are going to change drastically, my life is going to change drastically, I'm going to do it. And I'm not going to take it off. And that's exactly what happened. I put on my hijab and, and then life started in a completely new manner. Um, I was like, I want to take care of my grandma, but my aunt is here now. So she's taking care of everything's good. And I want to continue playing professional basketball. And at that time, I had like offers to go play in Turkey the, the season before. I had a great season in Bosnia and I was ready to go to Turkey. And then I'm like, let me see if my coach, my coach in Bosnia was actually telling the truth about FIBA. So I Google it. And yes, uh, they at that time did not allow anything except a two um, like centimeter um, yeah. headband to be worn yes. just to keep the head back. 
Correct. And I was like, wait, what? And then when I Google, I find out about another girl named Bilkis Abdul Qadir, an African-American Muslim that played um, with her hijab on at Memphis University. And she had just graduated that year that I was down at Bosnia. Okay. And she was trying to play professionally as well, but she couldn't. So I contacted her and I was like, hey, I'm Indira. I just put on the hijab. What is this? We can't ball. And I'm like, listen, two options. We do nothing about it. And we just sit back and say, oh, this is it. Or we do something about it and make change for not just for ourselves, but the other millions of girls and boys that want to wear the turban, if they're a Sikh, the yarmulke, if they're Jewish, and if they want to play ball. And so I was like, we're doing something about this. I don't know what's going to happen, but we're going to do something about it. And long story short, we literally, I started a campaign on change.org, um, made a story. And I mean, it was amazing how quickly it gained uh, a lot of signatures and so much support. And even the care, um, care, which is the Council on American Islamic Relations got involved. The US Olympic Basketball Committee got involved just saying, hey, these girls deserve the right to play. Yes. Look at your rules. And if it's not hurting the players on the court, why can they not wear a yarmulke or a hijab or a, tur mm -hmm. um, or, or a turban? So yeah, within two years, um, life drastically changed. And uh, you can ask me whatever you want else you want to know. I don't know what you want. My journey is it long so i can yeah, yeah absolutely, know. absolutely your journey is long but a couple of points i want to make because mm. um it, and this is really significant and important to me and you're muslim i'm christian yes it, it, it has never ever been an issue with our relationship absolutely. uh we we both talk about god the god we serve we love him yes. And we talk about spiritual things and we talk about a lot of different things, but mm -hmm. it's important for people to know we may not always agree on our religious practices, but it doesn't have doesn't mean we can't operate in love with one another and then we can't, uh, um, you know, exist without it being friction or whatever the case may be. And, and that I appreciate and love about you so much that you give uh, freedom to not just me, but to other people. You've always done that. You've always been expressive. You've always been a matter of fact about what you want and what you believe. And, and you've never been the kind of young lady that's just say, I'm gonna give in because you say I can't do it. Well, if it's not a good reason why I can't do it, then I'm gonna challenge you. We, got, mm -hmm. we, got, we have to figure out why. And if your why is reasonable enough for me to agree with you, now, Thank you. with the hijab. Now, yeah. several things have happened with the hijab, and I want to talk about that. And also, I want to talk about your how you've inspired other ladies in Saudi, you know, some of the schools that you coached at, and bringing basketball awareness to that community, and and what's happened with the young people that you've dealt with there. Yeah. Uh, thank you. So, thank you for what you said. Honestly, for me, we, all of us, whatever we believe in, we just need to be open and kind and loving and allow for those connections to happen. Because I feel like your connection and I, and with your wife and your children, 
is one of the strongest that I have and you guys are all Christian and and that's the beauty in it we can believe in different things but we're still human and we still have the same values and those values is what opens those friendships and what now we have been for 15 years on and off we've been in our in each other's lives I mean that's beauty um and so in regards to the hijab story I thought that the process would take much longer with FIBA for them to allow the hijab so I said you know I'm not gonna be able to play right now. This is a sacrifice that I'm giving. Um, I always felt in my heart of hearts that they were gonna approve the hit, you know how long it would take. Mm-hmm. And I was willing to, to, to take that burden on my shoulder to allow future generations of girls to play. Um, and so I moved to Saudi Arabia. I, I wanted to get cl- closer to the religion. I had never been in the Middle East. And I heard stories about girls not being able to play sports and so forth and so on. So I moved here with the intention to be be close to Mecca and Medina, which are our two holiest places in Saudi Arabia. And also on the other side to be able to influence and inspire other girls to get to get physically active, to, to play sports. And once I came here, I saw that really girls don't have the opportunities that I had in California. I was like, what can I do to leave this place better? And so I started coaching basketball. Um, I started, I worked as a PE teacher. And then when I moved, I was in a very small village uh, in one, one of the small villages in, in, in Saudi Arabia, working at, a, at an international school. And then when I, once I saw the impact that I could have on the girls, how, how excited they were come, to come to PE classes. They used to hate PE classes before. I started a uh, basketball academy through my nonprofit, Global Sports and Activism. And I would put on these events there. and. 50 to 100 girls would come every single time to just play basketball. I saw when you give girls up the opportunities, they're gonna come and they're gonna come in flocks. And once I got this respect and the and the and the trust of the parents, like they allowed their kids to do things and play sports that they wouldn't have done before. And so then I moved to Jeddah, which is a much more affluent and um, westernized city one day you can come visit i hope you and the family can come visit yes. and you'll see it's literally like california it's by the beach the red sea uh there's restaurants everywhere malls everywhere movies theaters everywhere it's very westernized and once i came here i was i was like wow look at the opportunities because they have Saudis are playing sports but just not enough of them and so at that time I was coaching basketball. I worked as an athletic director at the American International School. And I saw how these kids that are international kids and ha- have the same opportunities that I had in America, mm-hmm. why not offer that opportunity to all kids living right. in Saudi Arabia? And so that's how I decided to co- talk to my Saudi friend and asked her, would she want to start a sports program um, where we offered basketball and various different sports under okay. it. And in 2018, we launched Armed Sports Academy, where literally our only goal is to offer opportunities for high quality training, um, growth, individual growth and team growth to players. And our focus is on girls and women. Um, and so I literally spent six years in Saudi Arabia focusing mm-hmm. on this one goal and it's amazing to see, especially since the government and so many changes in the last three century, how many girls from ages three all the way to 30 are now joining Armed Sports Academy mm. and, and coaching those girls and watching them grow from not being able to dribble or shoot to becoming 
okay basketball players and knowing that in the next 10 20 30 years god willingly our company can continue and we will be one of the pioneers in the country for this growth and change of of the development of a society um and so for me i'm currently in saudi arabia um and and flying back to from california to saudi arabia to play in the first ever women's basketball league here as an american bosnian american to playing for the team that i started it's just wearing my hijab proudly and it being approved and me going in fiba i had to register as a fiba player now again a professional FIBA player with my hijab, it's just full circle. And it, the journey has been literally God saying, just trust me, yes. just trust me. Yes, I've seen that. That's, that is an awesome story. And because of your giving, it led you right back to the same place. And now you've been, get, been given an opportunity that you look at the smile on your face. I remember when you told me you were so excited that I can't believe this is happening. I'm going back to play professional sports, going yes. back to Saudi, you know, yes. cause you have built relationships there. You have all the kids that is always asking you to come yes. back. They miss you yeah. so much. And I, yeah. I understand why, you know, although, you know, you and I, you know, we, we fight sometimes, but the kids, they love you, you know, so I'm going to give you some props for winning <laughs> the hearts of the, of the, of the kids. Thank you. And, oh man, it's awesome. So now listen, I don't know yeah. if you could talk about this yet. So I'm going to bring up a couple of topics mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. then you only share what you can share. Okay. Okay. So now since we're on the hijabs. Yeah. Okay. Do, do you want to tell the audience that, you know, you have a line of hijabs or you, you are a spokesperson. Let's let them in on a little secret. Yeah, sure. So I started uh, wearing the Capster Sports Hijab, which is uh, by two non-Muslim women created it 20 years ago when their Muslim friend was told she can't play her uh, PE class. And they were designers and they were like, no, our friend is going to play. And they designed two non-white Muslim women and uh, non-Muslim women. It's amazing. Karen and Cindy, they designed this excellent sports hijab um, that I started wearing six years ago. And I became their friends of Capsters. And I told them, listen, I love it. If you guys ever need any support, let me know. So they asked me to buy the hijab company about a year ago. And I told them, listen, I know nothing about uh, owning a hijab line, but let the new owners know that I'm very interested to work with them. And so the new owners contacted me and they're like, we followed you, we read about you, we think you're amazing. We would love for us to collaborate with you and start a Capsters Times Indira hijab line and I was like what like this came out of nowhere um but God does that for us sometimes he he, yes. he gives us what we don't know what we need um and I told them what, what what does that entail they're like basically it's your hijab line you choose the ones that you want we'll send you samples and uh, we just want to we want to go into the casual line wear and I was like you know what I love these casual hijabs these are called jersey I'm like you know what let's do it why not let me support you guys it'll help you guys I would love and I love your company so let's do it and so now I have my own um my own hijab line which is yes. so interesting for for a company in Malaysia which kind of all get all full force because I'm such an international human being and through that it's opened up the door um, for me to support other small businesses and create my own small business, which I haven't told you yet. I, I started um, Alma Apparel, which is in memory of my mom. My mom's name is ah, Alma Medina. Yes. I'm starting this line, uh, this company called Alma Apparel, which mm. will sell 
things online and in the future hopefully we'll will we'll grow to be big enough to have some stores around the world selling things from different countries from different small business owners um so this is the idea i that i had and and i've talked to people that are very close to me and they think it's an excellent idea um and so from where starting to wear the hijab being told you can't play and all that to now being able to play having my own line and now owning my own apparel store it's just it's just my you know you can't even say wildest dreams um and i just know that as we said earlier, that like if you just stay the course, you just have faith, you're, you're close to your spirituality and you do the best you can, you're gonna, doors are gonna open for you. See, this is why I wanted you on the show because you have so many things that are affecting your, li your life and mm -hmm. you always believe in sharing those with other people yeah. and helping them grow. And yep. so, you know, people your age need to hear that. They need to know yep. that, you know, follow your dreams. Don't mm -hmm. be afraid to step out. Don't be afraid to say or challenge the, the, norm. the norm. Be respectful, be loving, be kind. And good things happen to you when those things happen. Mm -hmm. Now, mm -hmm. I'm going to, uh, I should ask you for something, but I'll get it from you. But I want to talk about your adventure that you took over the summer uh right before the summer you know i didn't even know you were a lover of whales until <laughs> you told me you were going you know you're going to swim with the whales i'm thinking has this girl lost her mind has basketball juggled the brain a little bit she said no i'm gonna swim with the and then when you sent me the pictures i'm like this girl is something else tell me about your whale experience yeah, so I would say about like probably the time of the hijab and everything else, I really started to get connected to whales. Um, I started following all on Instagram, watching whales swimming. It just gave me the peace and calm. And I always was an ocean girl. I loved being in the water. And so I just kept saying, I'm going to go. And whales have certain seasons where, where they, <clears throat> excuse me, where they migrate. And I, usually I was never able to go because I was wor working in Saudi Arabia. Uh, but COVID opened up that door because um, obviously there was no work, no coaching. And I was like, you know what? And at that time, Tahiti, the country of Tahiti had just reopened its borders uh, to allow tourism to come in. And it was towards the end of the migration uh, season of the blue whales, humpback whales, excuse me, humpback whales. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go for it. And I was actually with your daughter, Ayana. And uh, she's like, you're really gonna do this? I'm like, yeah. And I told her, come with me. And she's like, I, I want to so badly, but I'm not sure about if something gets closed down, you know, my life and so forth and so on. And I told her, I completely understand. So I went for a week and I literally got to swim with whales. I mean, they swam in front of me. I, 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 you hear the vibration, but you feel the vibration of their sound. Um, and scientists are saying that there's like healing effects of their sounds and so forth and so on. But the fact that a baby whale, like I kid you not, a baby whale, I, I, I cry when I think about it, left its mom and it was coming directly to me. And I just put my hand out and it was just that split second, that split moment yes. of just like the truest connection like mm. mammal to human, the truest connection. And I mean, it's we're not, we're not talking about like a little thing, it's just ginormous, the mother <laughs> and the, 
and, and just feeling safe that it's coming at me in this slow, curious speed. And that's life. Like if yeah. we, I'm a human, this is a whale and it has curiosity for what I am mm -hmm. and who I am. And so if we all think of life and differences and all that in that way, we, they, we can always put our hand out and connect. Um, so yeah, that, that experience was for sure one of the most fulfilling, I would say. Yes. Um, and I would highly recommend it to you and to anybody else. Uh, of course can... you would. <laughs> I'm serious. Yeah, we'll be reading Bible stories about Jonah and the whale. And then you'd be telling me, well, that was my coach. He even, the whale got him. It, it, it spared me, but it got coached. Okay. So, so in Islam, we believe in Jonah. We, we believe in that, uh, that story and that it's, we call him Eunice. So Jonah okay. is Eunice. Yes. And I was like, dear Lord, don't let me become, <laughs> don't let me be, don't let me be the story. I don't want to be Eunice. I just want to spend time with them. <laughs> and so, and so look there, we, you probably didn't know that, uh, no, that I we didn't. also believe that story. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So there's so many com commonalities and so many beautiful similarities that if we just talk to each other, like you and I are doing right now for this podcast, yes. and I hope that through this podcast, People can see, look, you're an African-American male coach that I highly respect who's Christian. And we have such a strong bond, with yes. not just with us, me and you, with your entire family. And I'm a white, blue-eyed Muslim girl from yes. Bosnia, a refugee. And look how much we have to talk about. Look how easy it is. And yes. I hope that through this podcast, I hope it reaches millions of people. And that it changes their, just for one second, their mindset that they can be like, oh, hey, look at that that female and a male talking th this can happen and it should yes. happen yes definitely yeah. okay i know you got to get ready to go to practice get ready to work mm -hmm. out working out twice a day so you know make sure you take some video because i want to see if that jumper still you know is lit like it used <laughs> flash 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 i i look forward to the day i have a feeling i'm going to get the chance to shoot with steph curry and i just want to <laughs> i just want to compete against him on the three-point line Oh, I will say this back at Tulane. I could have competed with the distance with him. Now yes. he, he has taken it to another level, but right. the normal NBA three point line, I want a chance. You, oh, I believe you. Hey, he don't know this yet, but you might get him. Uh, he don't, uh, he don't uh, understand. I, People I don't, <laughs> they don't know. They don't know what the cow joke can produce around here. I'm trying to tell you now. So listen, George, I never told you it, one last thing at Tulane. I shot 87 three pointers out of a hundred. What? At, pra at practice. Wow. One time, my coach, I remember his face. He was like, what just happened in front of my eyes? Yes. And not just standing ones moving. Yes. 87 See, out of a hundred. I, I believe it because you know, hey, all we did, we ran, we ran plays for you like you were a cash cow. We like, hey, just get, just give her an inch. <laughs> just, you just give her a fraction of an inch. We going out of here with a victory tonight. So <laughs> I don't doubt it one bit. But listen, I want you to, if, if there's anything you want to say to the audience before we, you know, disconnect from this podcast tonight. And, you know, this is our first podcast together won't be our last, but if there's anything you want to share, I want to leave it to you to share. And also, if there's any um, information you want to leave with, with us to, mm -hmm. or where we can connect with you, where we can follow you so that people can track your journey, because you do a really good job of posting things so that 
you know, that people will connect with you. And, and it's not about the beauty about you is that it's not about, I want to share my things with you so you can, you know, I can pat myself on the back and cheer. You're all about inspiring people. You're all about sharing your journey for a reason, not just sharing the journey, just to say, I got this. So anything you want to share information Thank you. Um, yeah, the end of the, for my for my what I tell people what I want to tell people is, go after your dreams. Don't quit when it gets hard. Find the resources, family members, friends, in the community. They're there. Ask for help. Ask for support. Do it. Even when it when God closes that door, go for another one. Um, talk to people. Communicate. Be open. Be open minded. Um, don't don't quit just keep going literally just keep going after your dreams and for the girls that and women that consistently in the u.s and globally go through being told they're not good enough or they can't or it's going to be hard or whatever it is you got this god gave you what you need inside of you and i'm no no special something god made i always tell this to other women that say how did you do this just find it within yourself. Take time to figure out what it is for you, for you that gets you fired up and passionate and put down goals and steps of how you will achieve that, no matter what yes. roadblock is coming in the way. Um, that's my women message to the women. And yeah, like share your journeys, not like you said, for the likes and for the share your, that's what I do with my journey. I share to, to inspire others to go after what they dream and what they want, whether it's traveling, playing sports, cooking, spirituality, whatever it is, it's about putting positivity into this world. And honestly, at this point in time, George, as you know, we need positivity in this world. We need to inspire each other. That's why I respect you and love you so much because you're doing that. Um, and so at the end of the day, I would love for you guys to connect with me. Um, you can find me at Instagram, um, Indira, I don't know if you can put it in, but it's Indira, I-N-D-I-R-A, and then underscore K-A-L-J-O. I'll have my full name, like my full name. And you can uh, connect with me there. I share my, my everything there and I'm considering doing YouTube and things like that. We'll see in the future. Um, but I would love to do this again with you, George. It was excellent. I hope that um, it was meaningful. I do feel it was meaningful and always love connecting with you. So thank you so much. Absolutely. You know, you know, my heart is always with you. My prayers are always with you. My house is always open to you. Thank you. So, yes. Yeah, so, you know, when you come back, the first stop you better make is you got to come here anyway because you love carrot cake. So you yeah, I was, I was gonna say uh, I'm coming for that carrot cake. I'm coming for your piece too. <laughs> That's so Yo, cool. whoever watches this, don't mess with George's carrot cake. Do not mess with that man's carrot cake. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody, Indira Cal Joe, she's been a blessing to us tonight, and I just want you guys to follow her track her journey because you will be inspired and you will want to stay connected with her on her journey, her store that she's opening, her her uh, line of hijabs, and, and just share her passion, share her passion. So God bless you. Thank you. And we'll talk soon. All right. Until we do, good. you stay out of trouble. All right, George. <laughs> All right.